Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Another Sunday, another Colts loss, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. I am your host, as always, Michael Pivia, joined by me, post-game reaction, obviously our new analyst to the show, Landon Oliver. What's up, Landon? How are you feeling after a uh, another Colts loss, unfortunately? Um, I'm feeling like I've pretty much felt the entire season, which I guess at this point is just apathetic. Um, I, I quit caring about wins and losses a few weeks ago at this point. It just, it is what it is. Like that's the mentality I'm going into it. And uh, I mean, I, I'm definitely here to to discuss it and break some stuff down, but I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to get invested in a, in a team that's performing the way they're performing. Yeah, we're going to get into all that, guys. The Colts do drop this game on Sunday to the Washington Commanders. Not a returning Carson Wentz, but a Taylor Heineke that they lost to 16-17 to to fall to 3-4-1. We'll get into all that, but before we do, we got to tell you guys about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Make sure you go to their website and make sure you sign up. All new users that sign up, use the code BLUESTABLE. And you can get an instant deposit match of up to $100. And basically all this is, guys, you're testing your knowledge to go against players' stat projections or their fantasy score projection. Like today, I won $80 because I bet on three Colts players, Michael Pittman, Naheem Hines, to not meet their fantasy goal, and for Paris Campbell to go over his fantasy score. And I won 80 bucks. So, hey, go me. Uh, I'm probably a jerk for betting against betting on that. But, hey, you know what? I'm just letting you know what you can win, okay? So make sure you go over there to Prize Picks. The link is down in the description below. Use promo code BLUESTABLE. When you sign up, you can use deposit up to $100. Prize Picks will match your $100. So, guys, we got a loaded show to get into you today. Y'all know how we do it, what we liked. What we didn't like, we also got some other things coming out of Indianapolis. Players showing some frustration. Do they need to be showing frustration or do they need to be showing improvement on the field? We'll get to that here in a little bit, but we want to go ahead and start with what we liked in this show, Landon. And obviously, who are, who else are we going to start with uh, in, in this one? Sam Ellinger. Uh, he is a guy. He is a, a guy that we liked in this game. He showed poise in the pocket. He played much better than I thought he would in this game and uh i know i even said hey you know i'm I'm feeling a little bit more confident about this game with sam ellinger but what he showed early on was immediately 
his movement in the pocket, his feel for the pocket. As soon as it gets a little bit of pressure, starts collapsing, he'll step up, uh, extend the play, and live to fight another down. And that's what he was doing. You know, that there was another pass to uh, Michael Pittman where the play was designed to go to him. I, I went and rewatched it. I thought it was a bad decision at first, but going back and rewatching it, it was the right throw to make, but he just didn't sail it over the linebacker the way that he needed to. Pressure was getting into him. He wasn't able to get his feet under him and deliver the throw the way he needed to. But other than that, man, you know, the mobility, which is everything we saw, you could clearly see the play calling from uh, for Matt Ryan versus for Sam Ellinger is night and day. You, you can definitely see the approach is different for those two. The pre-snap movement is different and just the, the play calling is different. And you saw improvement out of the offense in that uh in that realm so Landon I want to get your thoughts Sam Ellinger obviously we liked him uh 17 of 23 203 yards pretty solid day had one fumble but that's a teachable moment you know pocket is collapsing it's chaos in the middle of all of it you're trying to exchange the ball from one hand from your right to your left that is not what you're supposed to do that's a cardinal sin in football he'll learn from it not really holding it against him. He's a young guy, young player, still learning, still growing. But other than that, one little error. What was your takeaway from Sam Ellinger today? Um, just that he was everything that I thought he would be. Um, the moment was not too big for him, and he did enough to win that ball game, which is you know what they were asked of him. Now I knew going into it, they probably weren't going to ask a lot of him, and the play calling kind of showcased that. Um. You know, they're they're not going to get deep into their bag of stuff, you know, with a guy that, you know, this is his first game, you know, true game in the NFL playing against the ones. You kind of want to bring that guy along slowly. So, I mean, they're they're not just going to throw an entire playbook out there and have him start doing crazy stuff. You know, they're they're going to ask him to basically be a game manager, um, which is what he was and i thought he did enough to win the ball game had some really good moments had some moments that need work but i mean that's to be expected and um i was just more impressed with his poise like he said i mean he's that was always his best trait to me coming out of texas was his his pocket presence um the way he senses pressure the way he maneuvers in the pocket and is able to escape um and get on the move out of the pocket um, and I thought that showed some really good stuff today with that. His arm looked a lot stronger than it was even a year ago. Um, I mean, we saw it kind of some, you know, some in the preseason, but it looked a lot better. Um, you know, about that still deep some... shot to Alec Pierce, man, yeah, that looked like, really good. Yeah, man. Like they're stretching the field some more. They're taking more shots. He's giving these guys opportunities. And I think that's going to continue as the weeks go on. And I think you're going to see a little bit more asked of him, um, you know, because of this team's inability to surround him with workable pieces as far as, you know, they can't run the ball. They're not really great in pass pro, as we know. So they're going to have to rely on him more and more. And I think you'll see the see the playbook open up more as the weeks go on uh, once he gets a little bit more comfortable. But I think you could even see the progression from the first half, even just to how comfortable he looked in the second half. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're out there, it's it's football. I mean, you've played it since you were a kid. I mean, it's just, it's just playing a football. So, I mean, yeah, like the, the nerves and you get the jitters and you want to perform and all that. And I think he got that out of his system and he comes out in the second half and it's like, Hey, I've played this game my entire life. Let's just play some football. Um, and so, yeah, I, he was impressive. There's still 
a lot of time to evaluate stuff, especially this week. You know, Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks is generally a uh, a nightmare matchup, so I'll be watching him closely. But, um, yeah, he he performed exactly like what I thought he would um, and uh, what we kind of talked about on the show last week. So I, I was very impressed with him. I, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, going going back to it and rewatching some of the game, really, really the first half, which is all the time that I had to be able to rewatch the game, dealing with some, you know, Halloween stuff uh, on, on this Sunday. But going back and watching it, man, and and I mentioned it last last show, and I and I messaged you on on, on Twitter about it, I texted you, and I was just like, man, are we not seeing a Dak Prescott type? Like, think about what Dak Prescott was in 2016. You know, what you mentioned, game manager. Don't put the ball in harm's way. We're not going to ask you to go and throw and chunk the ball down the field 30, 40 yards every time. Just do do the simple stuff. Do the intermediate throws. Do the simple crossers. Dink and dunk a little bit. You know, run the ball. Get elusive. Get, get creative with it. Extend some plays. And I think that one play where uh, he dropped back to pass, obviously, Pressure was coming down. He stepped up in the pocket, rolled out to the right, and he hit a Michael Pittman over the middle for a first down. And it was it was actually two back to back catches by Pittman. And that those plays, like those plays, it's like I'm seeing a a Dak Prescott. And if it, like I said, if if his ceiling is a Dak Prescott, he could be a really good quarterback. Now I'm not, I don't know if Dak is a guy you can go win a Super Bowl with. I, he hasn't shown that yet, but even if you can be a Dak Prescott, man, you are a good quarterback. And even then, if you become that as a sixth round pick, you've already exceeded so many expectations. You've done everything you can. And I thought he did some good stuff for himself and his future today. Showed some really good stuff, was disciplined with his progressions, didn't panic, didn't, you know, abandon the progressions any or anything like that. Still stayed poised in the pocket. And I, I really liked what he saw, uh, what he showed in this game what i saw obviously so another thing to like in this game was paris campbell you know getting getting in space a little bit he had a little jet sweep to the left real good blocking on the outside by michael pittman and kylan Kylan granson to free him up to go for 28 yards you know sam ellinger finding him a couple times you almost think from what you saw in this game he he touched the ball a lot more but he only had the ball in his hands three times today. Two catches for 43 yards, one carry for 128, or not 128, no, that's impossible, for one uh, carry for 28 yards. Getting Paris Campbell the ball more, especially after everything he's been through, first off, it just it, it shows he's building confidence as a player. And I've spoken about it before. The moment a player starts to gain, gain confidence week after week after week, it starts to show on the field. It starts to show, and you can tell every route. Even when he just walks on the field, he, he's confident. So how have you enjoyed Paris Campbell getting involved uh, uh, for a couple weeks, and he's just starting to show more and more? Well, one, I mean, I'm just I'm so happy for him as a person. I mean, he's um, he's endured a lot the last few years. So, I mean, he's – you know, we, we know the injury things are well documented. It's a, it's a bad situation. It's out of his control. I mean, there's not really much he can do about it except to continue to put his head down and go to work and try to prove that he can stay healthy. And so, so far he has. Um, and the fact that he played as well as he did today on only three touches, um, I mean, that's kind of a little criminal to me. I thought 
you should do everything you can to get that guy the ball whenever they're, you know, moving and doing the things he's done the last few weeks. Um, you need to kind of script that stuff in very similar to how, you know, they use Curtis Samuel, you know, on the opposite side of the field there. So uh, try to get the ball in that guy's hands, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy for him. And uh, he's been impressive. The talent was never the question with him. I mean, it was never the question of, you know, was he a talented player or could he perform in the NFL? I mean, we've seen glimpses of it now for years. I mean, we saw, you know, every time, he, you know, when he played Houston, you know, he has the the big catches or, um, you know, early on the Jacksonville game where he got hurt a couple years back. I mean, he was the best player on the field for that first drive. I mean, um, you know, that's, that's who he is. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic wide receiver. He's a great weapon. And I think they should, feature him a little bit more than they do honestly but um yeah as long as he can continue to stay healthy um i think there's a real possibility we should look at bringing him back absolutely man that i mean this is a contract year i'm not sure if if the Colts are winning him over right now man there's a lot of feelings going on in that locker room we'll get to those um here later on in the show but wanted to really highlight paris campbell because He's just showing more and more consistency, getting open, finding the quarterback, you know, helping the quarterback find him. And that's one of the biggest things, especially when a play goes off script, quarterback has to roll out left or right and try to make something happen. It's big. So I'm, we're all happy for Paris Campbell getting more involved. And obviously all these injuries the last three years have taken away his speed, but his top notch speed, obviously he's still fast. But, man, we're, we're always happy for, for Paris Campbell all the time. Last one here with what we liked in this game. I, I was okay with the pass rush, man. I'm not sure where you were on it, but I, I really liked where the pass rush was. You know, trying making Taylor Heineke beat you with his legs more so than his arm. You know, I thought Efidio Deniabo ha- was really good. Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. I thought these guys were doing good. Even Ben Banigou got a couple of rushes in there. Tyquan Lewis had what was having a strong game. Unfortunately, he went down. Uh, Frank Reich said it was a knee injury. Nothing too certain right there, but the cart was called out for him. Obviously, we're praying and hoping for the best for this guy. We, we know what happened last year, what has been a theme in his career thus far. Godly, you just feel bad for Tyquan, man. That I, I almost felt. I wasn't at home watching this game. I was at a country club, you know, for a Halloween event. I, I had my tablet and I was watching the game. When I saw it was Taekwon being carted off, man, I felt felt almost sick, man. Like, oh, man, like why this guy? Why again this year? It it, it sucks. It sucks. And, oh, man, it I, – I don't even know where what else to say about it. It's unfortunate. But we're, we're praying, obviously, for the best for him. Pass rush, I thought, was solid today. Yannick Ngakwe had a better day than what he's had in the past. I thought he got in there a couple times, you know, got a couple rushes. But if if that chop move doesn't work, man, he he is completely lost out there. He doesn't know how else to beat defense or uh, he doesn't know how else to beat tackles. If that chop doesn't work, that one hit or quitter, it's barbecue chicken for for the left tackle. He's just going to block Yannick Ngakwe until the ball is out of the quarterback's hands. But overall, I think on the day, pass rush just had a strong day, personally, for me, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was average. I don't think there was anything that really blew me away, you know, as far as, you know, I, I guess getting after the quarterback. I think Grover, of course, naturally, we expect him at this point to just dominate. He's he's always great. Buckner Grover had some going good, for that yeah. all-pro tag. Oh, yeah, man, he, he's fantastic. Buckner looked really good. Um, I thought Taekwon was really good. And like you said, man, it, like, it just it sucks. Um, once again, this happened. It's very similar to Paris Campbell at this point where it's like, Every you know, like every time you're just like man like this guy again like what like when are things going to go his way you know and and every time he's on the field and every time he's healthy I mean he makes plays he's a good player and it's just unfortunate it it really is um so yeah I wish all the well you know all the best for him wish him well um hopefully nothing serious but anytime the cart comes out and they say knee injury it's never <laughs> never really a good thing but um you know we can hope for the best and 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 all that but yeah and Gakwe he's been better the last couple weeks than he has been at the start of the season but I'm still just not completely sold on him um he had some good moments in this game though as well like I said I mean I like I don't think it was like an overly strong day for the pass rush, especially on that last drive like the last drive where they had to go 80 yards there was no pass rush like they like they just didn't show up at all and and to me like that that's more indicative of where I look at pass rushes. Like when the game is on the line, the, you know, it's, it's in your hands to make the play. Do you show up? And and that's the difference between an average pass rush and a, an elite pass rush or, and uh, yeah, they, they didn't get it done when they needed to get it done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you know, the first quarter, yeah, that's cool. Second quarter, that's great. It's always great to have pressure on the quarterback. Um, but if you don't show up in the biggest moments of the game where you're needed, you know, at, at that point, like, you know, what, what use is it? It's very similar. I mean, it's almost kind of like the exact opposite with Mathis and Freeney because we've seen for many times with years with, with those two guys, you know, game is on the line. Other teams needing to drive down the field and it's a strip sack. We get the ball back and win the game. Um, those guys always showed up in the biggest moments. And uh, this pass rush still just to me doesn't do that enough. Um but the defense, you know, they kept they kept them in the game most of the most of the game. So, um, you know, Darius came back, got a turnover. Um, we'll talk about him, I'm sure, here in a minute. But um, yeah, uh, and it was okay. Nothing overly special, but it it definitely I don't think was a major issue until the last drive of the game. Yeah, the defense. I think we want to hold off just a little bit more on that, but pass rush wise. You're starting to get clipped a little bit at the position. Quiddy Pay goes down, still a little bit of ways from from getting back, and now Taekwon's going down. So now you're trying to reach in. Now, now you're having to reach into the bag and see what else you got behind those guys. The video Deniabo is is showing that he can you know f- fill some of those roles there. Dio Dangbo is obviously there as well. Ben Bandagu uh, getting a few snaps here and there every week, starting to show a little bit more uh, pressure wise. For him as the backup Leo of Yannick and Gakwe. So I'm still, man, I've got to see more out of Dio. Like yeah. I, I just, I, I do. I've got to see more out of him, you know, for his draft capital and where, you know, and he was taking and hyped yeah, him up. Yeah. And the, and the hype that he's been getting for, for now over a year and stuff. Like I've, I've just got to see, like to me, I don't even think there's really been like flashes. I think he's had like some, some decent moment but like nothing like that overly flashes to me where it's like oh yeah like this is the guy that 
you know, we, we heard it. I mean, like we thought about taking him in the first round. Like yep. I have I have not seen anything close to a first or even a second round guy. Um, yeah. So maybe with this injury, he gets his chance to shine. Maybe he takes advantage of it. I mean, um, he definitely has the measurables, so we'll see if he's able to put it all together. But yeah, man, I, I've got to see more out of him for sure. And hey, he just might get that chance uh, because um, the Colts are kind of getting a little bit of thin at bodies there at, at defensive end. So that's what we liked a little bit. Now let's move on to what we didn't like in this game. Clearly, this is going to be what we're all going to talk about the most, especially after a loss, guys. Um, but let's go ahead and start with it. Obviously, it's going to be it every week. We're going to talk about it every single week. The offensive line continuing to be a disappointment. It it never fails, Landon. It, it, it never fails. When you got a big run, there was a hold on Matt Pryor. When there was a big catch, a big run by Sam Ellinger, there was a hold on Quentin Nelson. There, there was a sack allowed. Um, there was no push in the run game, especially in short-yarded situations. And I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Oh, do you trade or sell? Let, let's move away from the trade or sell conversation here a little bit. I want to touch on Frank Reich not going for it on fourth and one in the fourth quarter to be able to take the game. Everybody is going to talk about Frank Reich. Oh, my gosh, horrible decisions. Why would you not go for it? Frank Reich has always been a guy that went for it because his offensive line could move people two years ago, and they can't now. Landon, I think that fourth and one call to punt said more about Frank Reich not trusting his offensive line than it did in him trusting his defense. I think that said it a lot because we know Frank Reich, man. We know ever since the day he came in, he's going to be aggressive in those situations. And we love that. We love that. Me personally, I was shocked when I saw the punt team out there. Initially, it told me, okay, he he trusts his defense. But I also thought about it. He does not trust the interior of his offensive linemen to get a push for one yard. Landon, this much. They can't get they can't get a push for that much space of yardage. And it's just a complete disaster. We can continue to mention, oh, well, if we take this guy out and plug this guy there and do this and that. Nothing is going to work. Nothing is going to work. There is not a good starting five on this team. There, It's not there. If you take Dennis Kelly away and put Ryman, guess what? Left tackle is at an even bigger disadvantage. Even if he is the rookie and we want to see him, he's not ready to play. I've said that all year, even all offseason. The, the offensive line, man, is just pathetic. It's bad. It's bad, and I I just don't know how – what is the conversation in that building? At some point, do you just sit there and ask, we're paying this much? Let, let's pull the books out. We're paying this guy this much, this guy this much, this guy this much. Frank, why did you why, – why did you punt the ball? I just don't trust the offensive line. But, but we're paying – them for you to be able to trust us landon get in here man what are you seeing from the offensive line that's so bad well i mean just more failure that's all i mean that's all there is to that's it that's all I mean, there is 
Yeah, I mean that's that's all there is. Just failure to. I mean, you. I think you put it very eloquently there. I mean, just you know, there's no push up front at all. There's no push in the run game. There's constant pressure allowed to the quarterback. When they do make a good play, there's crucial mistakes such as holding or, um, you know, there's. I mean, like there's there's no path forward with this group. There's there's nobody out there that's available that's going to come in and solidify it from a free agent or trade. You know, unless. You know, sure, you want to trade for Trent Williams and, you know, Zach Martin, and you want to give up your entire future for those guys, and hopefully they come in here and do it. But even then, I don't think, you know, that's going to matter because there's no cohesion. That's the biggest issue to me. Um, Other than, one, the individual players are failing at their jobs. Um, There's been regression. I mean, high regression in being able to win one-on-one matchups by guys who are making a ton of money right now, the best guy you have out there is Braden Smith. And he's, you know, he caught flack early on deservedly. So he wasn't playing his best, but he's settled in and he's the only guy you really have out there performing. You have a guard, a, and as much as I love Quentin Nelson, and I know I've made, you know, the comments of, hey, there's injuries still there. You know, he's recovering from multiple surgeries. That takes time. And it does. And, and none of that's true. But the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is you're paying $21 million a year to that guy. And I don't care what he looked like three years ago. I don't care what he looked like two years ago. I care about what he looks like now. And past production is not indicative of future success you need to look at what he is right now and assess that and hopefully he gets better you know as he the season goes on he gets another offseason next year to get fully healthy you know that way he's two years removed from the back surgeries and all the little nicks and bruises that kind of really hampered him last year but if this is continuing on in the next year i mean this is a disaster of a contract um you know, I, I don't know if there's any way around it. Ryan Kelly, all year, even going back into last year, and I know he had some personal stuff that happened, and it's completely um, acceptable. Um, I'm, I'm not using that as, um, you know, something to to get on him about. But at the end of the day, like, you still have to perform. And I know, like, I know it sucks, but he has not performed. And what's funny to me about him is he's been one of the most vocal people in that locker room about disagreeing with stuff. And I don't understand how you can consistently come out and disagree with decision after decision after decision whenever you are the root cause for a lot of these issues that are happening. You're at like the offensive line and your performance or why Matt Ryan's being benched. All right. And I mean, and then you have guys like Ryan Kelly, who is one of the most vocal people about the changes that have occurred. And this is a guy that's consistently coming out the last couple of weeks with quotes and, you know, I'm not going to give my opinion on the quarterback change and and all this. And, you know, to be fair, I I know he's went through some stuff. He's not playing well. Um, And, you know, and my heart really does go out to him and his family. I know that is a rough thing to go through. Um, You know, obviously I have no experience in that, but um, it's a, it's a terrible situation. That being said though, you still have to perform on the field. And if you're going to come out, and continually question some of the decisions being made, such as benching Matt Ryan. Look, dude, your your performance and the line's performance as a whole is the reason you're going through another quarterback change. 
And then we hear the quote today after the game where it's, you know, well, it's time to, you know, shit or get off the pot is what he said. Yeah. Dude, what what part of the country is that saying it's a, from? I've it's a never south, heard that. It's a South thing. Yeah. I'm from the South. That There's no way that's that's from the South. I, oh, that's, yeah. You've that, never you what? You're from Texas and you never have somebody say shit or get heard. off the pot. I have never heard it's shit or get off the pot. I have never oh heard that God. in my life, bro. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I don't know where he's from originally. I know he went to Alabama. Yeah, bro. That's a that's that's what I'm right, saying. So. Like as a South, I know like Texas is the South, but I'm talking about like the South. You know. Oh, like, okay, okay. Yeah. Out there like, by that's, Georgia, that's, Alabama. Yeah, like okay, that's okay, that's okay. the South. Um, Continue, please. Yeah, but yeah. So he come up with a quote. You know, it's time to shit or get off the pot, dude. It's been, it's been time. You're a little bit late on that one. You're you're at the point of like you're getting ready to wipe at this point, man. Like you're you're not getting off the pot. Like so, I mean, I don't understand the pushback of you know constantly questioning these decisions whenever you and the offensive line are the root of the problem with this team. That's the big issue here. That's ev- like I'm not gonna say it's everything that's wrong with the team because it's not. There's some things that. You know, we we'll get into here in a second that are still causing them issues, namely turnovers. But I mean, I there's no path forward with this offensive line. It, it's just you know we we know what Matt Pryor is. Dennis Kelly has played admirable. You know, whenever he's being asked to do this stuff. But main issues right now is you have a left guard playing you know twenty one million dollars who's not performing. Your center who's being ta- paid as a top five center is not performing. Your right guard is not performing. You're not able to run the ball at all. You're there's no push at all. And then that's where the the pressure's coming from. Is you know from the interior. I can get by with a I know like it's weird to say in 2022 and we know the importance of the position and in a perfect world, yes, you would love to have a lockdown left tackle. I can get by with an average left tackle. You cannot play quarterback or run a successful offense with pressure coming up the middle. You just can't. And until that changes, there's no path forward with this offensive line. And you mentioned it, pressure coming up the middle. I mentioned it earlier in the show. Sam Ellinger missed the throw to Michael Pittman. It was nearly picked off by the linebacker because there was pressure being coming from the right interior side between Matt Pryor and Ryan Kelly to where – his arm was literally hit while he was throwing the ball. He couldn't set his feet and deliver it over the linebacker and get it to Michael Pittman for a first down three and out. Got a punt. This like, again, that quote, it's shit or get off the pot. What, why is that the saying now? Why was it not after getting shut out in Jacksonville? And then to come out, like you said, questioning why Matt Ryan is being benched. We should be questioning why you're not being benched. They they benched the wrong Ryan, technically. I I I'm so at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words for this for this group. They're they're just not playing up to par. I have no problem. Earlier I I did, but Braden Smith has started to play more and more better as you as you said. Dennis Kelly, he, that that's not even his position that he plays in the NFL. But you know what? He's actually He's actually hell holding up there. He's holding up there. It is the interior that you don't trust. They're not moving anybody. They're not blocking anybody. They can't do any of that. 
So, again, how many more times are we going to continue to talk about this offensive line? I don't know. This is what Chris Ballard wanted. He wanted to win in the trenches. And that same motto is blowing up right in his face. I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have handed the contract out to a guard. I, I just wouldn't, especially with the last year of play that was from him. Oh, well, we thought he played good in 2018, 2019, 2020. Okay, cool. What is he playing like today? What is it looking like he could play in the future? I don't know, man. It, it's all bad. I mean, there there is no answer. Like you said, there's no answer. There's nobody that's on the trading block. Yeah, you know, there's there's Austin Corbett out there. Carolina's not giving up a guard, okay? They're, they're not in the market trading for a guard. No one is trading for an offensive lineman. No one's trading left tackles. No one's trading anything of premier value. Quarterback, edge rusher, left tackle. No well, one's here's trading the thing, those. too. It, even if those guys are being traded, they're going to want draft capital back. Yep. And right now, with that Carson Wentz pick, very you know likely to me, being a third-round pick, where now you just have a first, second. You don't have two seconds. So that draft capital is even more valuable if you do need to go up and get your guy at quarterback this offseason. If you don't believe in Sam, if you do end up with a top pick, and say you've got Carolina, Detroit, and I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know who else, but um, say say teams like that are sitting right there up in front of you. Um, those guys need quarterbacks too. Who are you looking at at that point? So, I mean, yeah, like you, you almost can't trade the draft capital right now. Nope. So, look, man, we, we can stay up here and talk about the horrible play, but that would just mean we're here for hours and hours and hours. This is a bad offensive line. This is a bad football team. Bad football teams find multiple ways to lose every week, and they just keep finding them, man. They just keep finding them. Moving on here in the segment of what we didn't like, turnovers, man. If it's not Matt Ryan, it's someone else. Jonathan Taylor, fumble. Sam Ellinger, obviously, we spoke about earlier. You know, pocket collapsing, trying to switch the ball from your right hand to your left hand to possibly take off and run, fumbling the ball. Hell, the, the ball wasn't even forced out. Sam Ellinger just lost it. And those those are mistakes. Those are costly mistakes. Naheem Hines had a had a quote earlier, and I want to find it here. It's just frust and I quote, it's just frustrating. We walk the ball up and down the field and we come up with 16 points. Landon, it sounds to me like there's a lot of finger pointing inside the locker room. That's what it sounds to me. Frustration is building. Frustration, maybe some arrogance, maybe lack of responsibility, accountability, a lack of it. That's what it's showing to me. Everybody has a quote for the media nowadays now. Everybody has a quote now. Everybody's talking. It's a free-for-all. Hell, while we're at it, why don't we go ahead and discuss what Michael Pittman had to say last week. They've got to trust us. We'll go out there and make the plays. They've just got to trust us. And Michael Pittman drops a wide-open pass over the middle of the field at the end of the game that could have potentially gotten them in field goal range to win the game. Didn't they trust you, Pitt? 
And that's my that's my guy. That's my number one player. Didn't they trust you? It kind of brought me back to what Eric Ebron said in 2018 or 2019. Got to get the ball in my hands. Ball needs to be in my hands. Okay, we go to you. What happens? In the biggest moment, Michael Pittman dropped a pass that could be that could have been monumental. He could have caught it. Frank Wright could have called timeout. You had 18 seconds left. Who knows what could happen at that point? Make a play over the middle. Spike it. Could have two seconds left. Could have won the game. We could be talking about a, game, a win right now, Landon, if he catches that ball. Everybody, yeah. everybody has a – oh, sorry. Everybody no, no, has no, a good. quote nowadays, but don't nobody want to step up. Yeah, that's that's an issue. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's any way around it, you know, outside of turning it around and winning football games. And the only way to win football games is to quit being quotable and just show up. I, You know, I had that post the other day where, um, you know, I've, I've never seen or never heard of a team being constantly quoting, you know, giving so many quotes out just every day. It has nothing to do with the cult social media team posting the quotes. I don't care about that. It's the players in the locker room that are constantly talking. And then when it comes time to show up on the field, you're nowhere to be found. That's the issue I have with it. I don't, you know, I don't like, yeah, like it's fine. You want to, you want to speak to the media and all that, that, you know, it is what it is. You can, you can talk, but if you're going to do that, when it comes time for you to back that up, if you don't back it up, I don't know what else to tell you. And then, yeah, the turnovers, we look at the turnovers. One, that's the biggest differentiate, you know, differential in winning and losing. And even this year, just not even just with this team, just in general, in football, that is the great equalizer, turnovers. This is a team that has been constantly good at turnovers. I believe whenever they have zero turnovers or they're even in, even in the turnover differential, you know what their record is this year? They're 3-0. and Every uh, yeah, undefeated whenever they don't turn the ball over or if they have a zero in the turnover differential category. But every single time they turn the ball over more than their opponent does, they're 0 4 and 1. So you want to look at why you're losing ball games? That's your answer. Clear as day. I mean, there's there's not anything more to say about it until this team stops turning the ball over, shooting themselves in the foot talking 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 and not performing there's no path forward and i don't know if it's an issue with the locker room i don't know if it's an issue with leadership maybe it is something with frank reich i don't know um, maybe it's chris ballard and an indictment on the culture there um because this is really the first time i mean like they've had bad moments but this is really the first time that they've really experienced having a losing record even last year they were you know they had a excuse me, they had a winning record. Almost every other year except for Jacoby Brissett, they've had a winning record. And this is the first time you're starting to see all the, you know, the quarterback change, the offensive line, the, you know, all these guys getting paid and underperforming. Now you're seeing them lose ball games. And you're really seeing, you know, what all the preaching about culture does. I mean, you can preach it to your blue in the face, but I mean, like, what does it get you at this point? It, it gets you quoted in a uh, Indie Star article or on Twitter. You get quoted on Twitter, and um, that that right there is their Super Bowl at the moment. They they want to get quoted on Twitter. People quote them on Twitter. Um, people want to get quoted in the media. They'll quote them in the media. But until 
they show up, the fans shouldn't listen to anything they have to say because it's not being provided on the field. I agree. I agree. It it's starting to get starting to get really pathetic, honestly. And it again, everything is blowing up in the Colts' face right now. I I dude, man, I'm at the point to where I, I don't give a shit about people saying, "Oh, the season's not over." They still have they technically they still have a chance. It's the same thing like ESPN asking, "Does Texas still have a chance at the college football playoff?" That's how annoying it is to me right now. It, it's bad performance after bad performance, but every week, well, technically they still have a chance. This team is not going anywhere. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not going for the division. They're not doing anything like that because for one, how are you going to worry about another team when you can't even get the shit done and figured out inside your own locker room? That's number one. Number two, everybody just is just their own man now. No one is for each other, it seems like to me. Everybody's shaking their head, looking at one another, what's going on. You know what? Okay, I can understand it to a certain point if you're trying to rile your teammates up, if you're trying to, you know, get them going a little bit. But now it's just with disgust. And after the turnovers, everybody just looks so frustrated. I mean, hell, I saw I saw on one play where Mo Ali Cox was sitting there throwing his hands up like, oh, my gosh, I'm so pissed. Bro, I even forgot you were on the damn team. What what do you have to be pissed about? What do you even what do you even do here? in Indianapolis and then moving on to the fourth quarter defense landed the defense did its job for maybe 52 minutes of a 60 minute game but it's not a 52 minute game is it it's 60 minutes and you hold a team to seven points for three quarters and then you allow 10 in the last two possessions of the game the last one I had all the confidence in the world Landon, what the Colts have shown is they are a really good fourth quarter defense. Okay, that's why I I, I was I was okay with punting the ball. You know why? Because the defense has shown it can step up in the fourth quarter. They are one of the best, if not the best, performing fourth quarter defense in the league. And man, did they get Moss, dude! Well, uh, also, you also got to give credit. Terry McLaurin just made one hell of a play at the one yard line. Just a hell of a play, mossing Stephon Gilmore. You, we we can blame defense. Sorry, you, we can blame defense, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's just the other person on the other sideline making an amazing play. And that play right there, Taylor Heineke. I love Taylor Heineke, man. I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not gonna. Taylor Heineke is who we think Sam Ellinger can be. Taylor Heineke, when I kept nah, hearing about Sam Ellinger, nah, Sam Ellinger. I don't know about that. Hey, well, Ta- about Taylor that. Heineke just beat him today. Taylor Heineke just went down the field and and, and, and won the game. Taylor Heineke, I, I just love his game. He He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He does what he needs. I like, he, I he like needs. Taylor. He, he's he's a good fighter. You know, he's not going to be a franchise quarterback or anything like that. Uh, I think he could be a good bridge, although I'm not even entirely sure how many years of bridge quarterbacks Washington has. But he made plays, and when it was time to deliver, he just gave Terry McLaurin a chance one-on-one, and Terry McLaurin came out on top. That was it. 
it was a blunder. It was a choke job. It was a choke job that I can't think of anything else with them. And what did you see? And what was mainly the biggest problem on those last couple of possessions from the defense? Uh, well, I mean, we touched on it earlier. It was lack of pass rush. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's because they were tired from being on the field earlier. I mean, like there's, I, it's hard to say without watching the film yet because I haven't, you know, obviously done a breakdown. I can't give you exactly what the issue is, but just from watching the game, you know, on the broadcast angle, it, it was just a lack of pass rush there. You know, Taylor Heineke escaped. They didn't set the edge very well. Um, you know, he was able to get out on the move and and make plays. And I think in one of my keys of the game, I, you know, whenever we were talking about it on the last episode, I kind of said like, Hey, when you blitz this guy, that's when he's the most dangerous. When you let him sit back and have to read coverages in the pocket, he'll give you a, you know, he'll give you a chance to pick him off. But when you blitz him and he's able to escape, that's where he does the most danger. That's exactly what happened on that final drive. They blitzed, I think, one or two times. He was able to get out of the pocket and make plays on the run. And then obviously, like you said, you know, the the Stephon Gilmore thing, I mean, it happens. You're going to get beat. That's part of playing football. And look, those guys get paid too. You know, it's it's not like, you know, in a perfect world, sure, the Colts would shut them down every single time. I mean, that's what it is. But that's – the issue I had with Frank Reich punting was because even though, yeah, the defense has been strong and all that, and maybe it's just an offensive thing of me and like a quarterback mentality. I don't know, but I want the ball in my hands to end the game. I do not want to sit on the sideline and have to watch the defense choke away a ball game. I've lived it too often in the Manning era. And it's, I mean, it's the same thing. I, I just, I can't stand leaving the defense up there i guess to to possibly set you up for failure because regardless of what happens with you know the pass rush and all that when you really look at football the offense always will have the advantage because they know where they're going they know the routes they know the play call they know the coverages they all you know like the defense you can do you know as best as you you know it doesn't matter how much film review you do the offense always has an advantage in that situation. So that's just why I always kind of struggle leaving the defense out there to finish a game off like that is because you're leaving the unit with the disadvantage as opposed to the unit with the advantage on the field to try to win the game. And um, obviously Frank Reich knows more than me. Another offensive line is – Probably the main reason, like you said, why they didn't go for it. I, I still don't like the decision. I think you have a guy in Sam Ellinger that could be extremely adept at quarterback sneaks. Like, he's very thick on the bottom. I know, like, that's kind of like a funny thing to say. You know, he's that's a thick boy. But, um, I mean, he is, and that matters in quarterback sneaks. You know, you you look for that strong, thick lower half on a guy like that. because they're That's why getting... Jacoby Brissett was all, always yeah. automatic. Yeah, well, even Brady, like that's, you know, Brady has a very strong base, a very strong lower half that he's able to push that pocket forward. Um, And Sam, I think, is a very similar guy like that. I think Sam is very well built to withstand quarterback sneaks. So um, I don't know why they didn't. I didn't know why they didn't do it at the goal line. You know, whenever they kicked the field goal, I would have quarterback snuck that instead of handing it off. But, um, yeah, man, it's just – it is. 
it is what it is. And I'm at the point now to where, you know, win or lose, I guess I'm not really upset either way. You know, I've just kind of stopped caring about wins and losses at this point. I'm just kind of evaluating what the future of this franchise is moving forward. And that's where my biggest issue is. What is the future of this franchise? What is it? I mean, the offensive line looks like there is no future there. The defensive line, you got pieces, you know, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. They don't, they don't, they're, they're excluded from this conversation. Really. Those two are excluded. You know, you go have vacation, do whatever you want to do. You won't get a call from us until it's OTA time. Everyone else. I mean, hell, even, even Darius Leonard, man, even Darius Leonard, he's got quotes post game. Let, let me pull him up. Okay. He's got more. Shaquille Leonard, and this was tweeted by uh, James Boyd of The Athletic, obviously does great work for them. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, Colts linebacker Shaquille Leonard on his pitch count. 20 plays, and I quote, 20 plays, 20. Asked if he could have played more, and I quote, that's not my job. My job is to do what the coach tells me to do and play as many plays as the coach allows me to play. Landon, if I didn't know any better, it sounds like he has a problem with the coach's decision. It sounds like he does. And to me, from what I saw today, hell, he shouldn't have even had 20. He should have had like five. Okay, he had the interception, which was basically gifted to him. Okay, credit to him for catching it. It was thrown into quadruple coverage, and he was the one that caught it. Uh, credit to Taquan Lewis for creating the pressure and Taylor Heineke making the bad decision to throw it in that direction. But what did what is what did Shaquille Leonard do on, on, on this day? What is it that he did? Did he defend anybody? Or did he allow the first touchdown to Washington? Yeah, he did. What did, what did he do? I get he's the all-pro. I get he's the maniac. I get all that. I, I get it, man. He has played through so much. He went through so much pain last year where none of us none of us can understand what that's like. But first off. I don't even think he's close to 100%, first off. I, I honestly think I think you should just shut him down, honestly. If, if, I was, if I was the Colts, just shut him down. We care more about your health. Just go get 100%. Go rehab. Go rest. Go get 100%. He's clearly playing 70-80. He's also not eight weeks into the season, not in tune with this scheme. He doesn't know what he's doing out there. It's either he doesn't know or he can't do it. That's it. And I want to and I want to lean he can't do it because he's not 100%. Shaquille Leonard is a smart football player. A smart football player. So I want to believe that he knows what he's supposed to do. But is he physically able to do it? Is he mentally there? He hasn't had enough time in live game reps playing with everybody to truly see what Shaquille Leonard can be in this scheme. Landon, if I, I mean, I'm just getting over the quotes. I'm getting over it. Everybody's looking for the cameras, man. But on, on Shaquille Leonard, do you have anything on Shaquille Leonard on, on, on what, what this? Uh... Well, I do know. I mean, I don't really blame him much. I don't really think it's like necessarily his fault because I mean, like people don't understand how serious back surgery is. I mean, like that's like, extremely serious stuff there so i mean it's gonna take him a while same thing with quentin nelson you know we talked about with the back surgeries i mean it's taken him now over a year it's probably gonna take him till next season you know if he ever starts to look like the old quentin nelson so i mean it's not a 
it's not an easy thing. And I just, that being said, I believe there was a post. I can't remember, you know, one of the indie reporters posted it and, uh, you know, excuse me if I, if I don't remember which account it exactly was, but it was posted that for the four series this year, including the first series on this game, that Darius Leonard, or my bad, Shaquille Leonard, I'm sorry, um, that Shaquille Leonard played, he allowed a touchdown. So at this point, it's four to five series now that you've been out on the field that you've allowed a touchdown. And I know a lot of it is because you're not moving the same way you're used to moving. And the only way that you're able to get back to that is to get on the field and get reps. But that you also have to be smart about it, which I think the team is. Like Zaire Franklin's playing lights out ball right now. Bobby O'Karake is playing really good football. EJ Speed comes up with another crucial fourth down stop. There is no need to rush that guy out there, no matter how much he wants to be out there. There's no need to rush it if you can help it because you have to bring him along slowly. So I don't know what he's upset about. I don't get why you're going to the cameras and making the quotes. Like like you said, like it's so annoying at this point. And it's what bad football teams do. That's what they do. They they run their mouths to the media. Um, this is a bad football team. And, you know, that's I'll, I'll have to really sit and think about where things are heading right now. But, um, you know, kind of not get worked up on a podcast or anything. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like think it's, it's kind of weird, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, don't, I just I don't know where you go forward from here outside of just, you know, blowing everything up and that includes and like i hate that like i, I really do hate doing that because i'm never one to give up on a season like I, yeah i i don't like giving like i still think there's opportunities to be had um because of how bad the nfl is this year overall i mean i think you have like obviously your your buffaloes and your philadelphias and your kansas cities but everybody else is just kind of right there um in the, in the mix and so even the bad football teams are, you know, one or two games out of the playoffs or from taking, you know, away from their division. But I just don't see a path forward for this franchise right now. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And this is something that I wanted to talk about. And this is kind of going to be like our last thing that we talk about. I wanted to ask this question because I also wanted to bring this question to, to Colts fans that are watching this and listening to this podcast where is this team at today? Like maybe don't think about what they're going to be in 2023. Don't think about moves, trade, free agent draft in the off season. Where are they at today? It is week eight, Landon. The same issues that we were talking about in the off season, in training camp, in preseason week one, Week four, week six, and week eight are still the same problems. Turnovers, offensive line, to some fourth quarter defense, and execution. Just just execution. I get Frank Reich and all that stuff. I, I get it. He deserves some blame. But, man, can we blame some players as well? Where is this team at today? Landon, it's simple, man. You know it. I know it. This team is a bad football team. 
And there's something that I want to touch on. It's something that I've always questioned since Chris Ballard came into the door. And it was always that word that he loves culture. Culture. What did he say, Landon? He wanted to bring in high character guys, guys who didn't turn on each other when things got hard, guys who stuck to the mission that kept their head down, kept grinding. Leaders. All these quotes, is that leader? Is that high character? What Chris Ballard talked about these, the way that he talked about these guys, again, is blowing up right in his face. Everyone's pointing fingers. Everyone's pointing fingers. Oh, it's not me. It's him. I don't know why they did this. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they're thinking about that. Oh, I can only do my job, and that's that. Although someone is not doing their job. It's not just one person. It's multiple people. It's over 10 people not doing their job. And this team is just a bad football team that is going nowhere. They will be nowhere come January. They won't be playing in Buffalo. They won't be playing in Cincinnati. They won't be playing in Tennessee. They are going to be in Cancun enjoying the vacation. This is what they've shown. You know, I, I don't there's really nothing else to show. I've me personally, I've just come to terms of what the season is going to be. I, I've come to terms. If you are a if you're excited for draft season, you were happy about the loss. I'm kind of in between. I'm happy for draft season. I'm happy to see, you know, can Sam Ellinger provide a smart a spark? I think I got a little bit of both of that today. Um but man, this is just a bad football team that looks like they're going that they're heading for for a draft pick because yeah. I, well, I, there's like really you, nothing more I can say, man. You go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, so, you know, the, the Ballard quote, like you said, you know, he's always preached this culture and this accountability and, you're, you know, what happens when you get punched in the mouth and your ability to rebound? Well, look, like I said, man, this team has not been punched in the mouth up until last year in Jacksonville. That was the punch in the mouth. So how have they responded to being punched in the mouth? They haven't. They've laid down. They've found ways to beat themselves. They're turning, and I'm, I don't know if it's necessarily turning on each other. I don't know if like you would use that word, but like they're constantly, you know, pointing fingers and, you know, I'll keep my opinions to myself. And, you know, I can only do what, you know, the coaches tell me to do. And I can do that. Like, eventually at the end of the day, man, like you've got to show up on the field. That's, that's all there is to it. Like, and then I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. There's not really much to, to say about stuff like that because it's just, it, it's just talk. That's all it is. It's just talk. And maybe they're not as great of a judge of character as what they thought they were. Um, because like I said, they've been punched in the mouth last year and they haven't responded. And I know it's difficult when you have eight starting quarterbacks in six years. Um, it's impossible to win in that situation. And 
somehow they have had a winning record. They haven't won anything of note. They haven't won a division. It is incredible that they have a winning record. I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, that to me, like, that's my biggest thing for Frank Reich is the fact, yeah. like, and I know, let me say this too. He's part of the reason why they have had that many quarterbacks because he advocated for Carson Wentz. He is not free of blame in this situation. Yep. But the fact that you've had, you know, Andrew Luck retires and then you go to Jacoby Brissett two weeks before the season and then you have Phillip Rivers and then you have Carson Wentz and then you have Matt Ryan and then you have Sam Ellinger. And I, th- I like, I'm pretty sure there's like a couple more that ended up spot starting, you know, throughout that as well. But, um, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to win like that. And it, and I would say it's damn near impossible. And granted, they haven't won anything of note. You haven't won a division. You've won one playoff game. And that was with Andrew Luck. You haven't won a playoff game since that guy's retired. And you're constantly in this quarterback carousel. And, now the thing that you preach the most, the two biggest things you preach the most are locker room character and leadership and the ability to win in the trenches. You have to win in the trenches to win in the national football league. And what do those two things look like today? That's the biggest, that's the biggest indictment on this regime to me. It has nothing to do with Frank Reich's play calling or Frank Reich you know, deciding to go for it or not to go for it or his inability, you know, to scheme things up for this player or this player, or this player, like, yes, are those things happening or are those things not happening? They are, they play a role. The biggest indictment on this regime is the things that you have preached from day one are not coming to fruition. And have you shown the ability to adapt your philosophy and to not dig your heels in and have a, you know, I'm right, you're wrong attitude, which is what we saw all offseason in the media. Every time, like credit to the indie media. I know everybody says they're soft on these guys. <laughs> I know everybody says it, but they were asked multiple times in these press conferences from Chris Ballard. They were asked, you know, you're trusting Matt Pryor. You're trusting Danny Penn. You're trusting Alec Pierce. You're, you're trusting these players that have – no experience or very little experience in these key positions. And what happened? They were laughed at. Well, you know, that's why I guess y'all don't run teams. You know, if if I take a shot on this guy, I'm never going to hear the end of it. If I get it wrong, or if I go after a quarterback and I don't get it right, I'm going to be the first one run out of town or, you know, all this stuff, you know, it's just very arrogant answers towards these questions. And that's what, to me, is the issue, um, you know, is is just the arrogance of this regime to constantly not question their methods and why they're not performing and to continue to dig their heels in. And it's not working. So, you know, I, I blame, I put the poll up on my Twitter, you know, who's more to blame? More people did say Ballard over Reich. Um, and then also too, I've got to say, I didn't, I do not like how Jim Ursay has handled the last year of this football team. I cannot stand it when an owner yep. meddles in situations and you even heard Frank today or something about it came out where it was like, or no, it was Jim Ursay. He said today, he's like, oh, well, I empowered him to make the change. You empowered your head coach to do his job. Right. Why are you having to empower your head coach to do what he is paid to do? 
that should never be an option. And we've seen the quotes in the media now where, you know, Jim's the first one to go out in the media and talk, you know, Matt Ryan's this, Peyton Manning this, I believe in these guys this. And when things get rough, where's Jim at? I, I mean, that's 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 an issue to me. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the path forward is for this franchise. I'm excited to see it, though. I will yeah. say this. Like, this is, I, I told this to my fiance the other day. We were sitting there talking. I was like, look, this is either going to be awesome and things are going to turn around, or this is going to fail spectacularly. There's Spectacularly. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a colossal failure. So, I mean, either way you're going into it, at least we'll uh, – We'll see what happens. So, um, guys, I mean, like, like Landon said, there's really nothing more we can get to. I, I agree with him on Jim Mersey. Uh, even with Carson Wentz, hell, the problem started when he decided not to get a freaking vaccination. Like that's, that started everything. And it was just a domino effect. And Jim Mersey built this resentment and every little thing Carson did, Jim just started hating him more and more and more and you know what it's his team he's entitled to do whatever he wants he is still a billionaire at the end of the day you know but at the same time i, I i've questioned jim ursay for a couple years now when when is he going to be an owner you know I, I think he was a general manager at one point even though the team really sucked when he was the general manager and you're kind of seeing that the team sucks when he is calling plays now today. So I would advise I, Jim just be just be an owner. Stick to and the I'll money. And I'll say this. I, I love Jim Irsay. Absolutely, really yes. I, I love Jim Irsay. I think he's a phenomenal human being. I think he is a great ambassador for football. He's a great ambassador for the city of Indianapolis. Um, but I do not like when an owner meddles and, and – like you said, it is their team. They're entitled to do whatever they want. I, like, I mean, you can do whatever you want. It is your roster. But I hate whenever you meddle in these situations like it seems like he is. Because we've heard, you know, oh, it's a collective thing. You know, where, you know, all three of us came together and made the decision. Um, you know, excuse me, I guess, you know, I wasn't really born yesterday at this point, but. I don't really pretend to be that naive as to what the decision was and why the decision came down. Um, and I don't necessarily think it was, I don't think Frank Reich is super excited to have this many quarterbacks every single year and to have to start over every single year. Um, so. Yeah, man, I sympathize with Frank Reich a lot more than anyone else in this situation. Like he did not ask for this. He didn't ask for Andrew Luck for the Colts to handle his injury situation so poorly. And that's what Indianapolis media or uh, medical has a history of. The, their injury report is as long as CV, my, my Sam's receipt every once a month. It's as long as that. Why is it always in Indianapolis? Why is always a tricky injury situation always in Indianapolis? It doesn't happen anywhere else, but for three years, they can't figure out what the hell is wrong with Shaquille Leonard. But these they employ people that have all these types of bachelors, masters, PhDs, all this stuff. But then he takes one visit to a doctor and he figures figures it out right there in 30 minutes. 
it's just a complete failure all the way around, guys. We don't want to spend all day talking about this. The, the Colts suck. They're bad. Yeah, well, They're going for the well, draft. Jim Irsay well, needs to stay with the money, stay the books, or give the business to his daughters. Go play golf. Go do whatever it is that you do and stop getting involved in decisions, okay? Um, Sam Ellinger's season is still here, ladies and gentlemen. He looks solid. Landon, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, other than, uh, you know, we'll be back here next week. It's the same. It's, it's gonna, it's like it'll be. It's gonna be the same conversation every week until they get it fixed. And I don't think they can get it fixed. But I'm excited to see Sam. I thought Sam did some really good stuff tonight. Um, for anybody blaming him on what them losing the game, I think that's BS. I put um, zero blame on Sam. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. Zero, zero, zero blame zero. on Sam. Zero. And even Frank to an extent. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think Frank was a huge issue tonight. Um, no. I think. I think it continues to be. Um, I've never been a big fan of saying, you know, like, oh, well, so-and-so is the reason why they lost the game. You know, this individual was a reason why they lost. Yeah. Um, or this person. Like, it, it's a failure from top to bottom. There's nobody that escapes blaming this. Um, even Sam, to an extent, you know, he fumbled. I mean, everybody shares blame and wins, and everybody shares – or, well, they share blame and wins – and everybody shares credit and losses. Uh, that's why it's the greatest team sport in the world. So let's kind of hold off on the narrative of like, oh, well, this person screwed everything up and is the sole reason why they lost. Like, that's just kind of silly to me. And I've seen a lot of that go around. But, hey, it's the Internet. It's social media. They'll they'll do what they want to do. Hey, man, people are entitled to their opinions. So Absolutely. let them do that. No, yeah, I have no problem and, with that. Yeah, and, and they will make sure you know that they are entitled to their opinions oh jesus man people like that uh but other than that guys this has been a fun episode to talk more about the dysfunctional indianapolis Colts. if you want to hear more about dysfunctional we're, we're gonna be here twice a week for the rest of the season uh is this season gonna turn up is it gonna continue to go down we don't know but next week the colts are going to new england and sam ellinger is about to go up against a bill belichick defense so we are going to I'm not looking forward to that show, just so you know, Lane. I'm not looking forward to what Bill Belichick is about to do to Sam Ellinger. So, guys, we appreciate you. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give this video a like, a thumbs up, and make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. And, guys, he is Landon Oliver. I am Michael Pevia. Make sure you are following the Blue Stable for all kinds of updates and for articles coming out for post, pregame, all kinds of stuff coming out, especially draft content, if that's where we're headed, truly headed, guys. So we'll see you next week. Can the Colts get something turned around? Do any more players have any more quotes they want to give? We'll be here to talk about it. See you.